May all grace, mercy, and peace be to you from, from Him who was wounded for our transgressions, from Him who bore the punishment that was meant for us, but as the punishment was heaped upon Him, made us whole, and from Him by whose bruises we are healed. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we journey this Lenten season, and I said, you know, the theme is, you know, we're healed by His wounds. Tonight, we're going to look at the wounds of blasphemy. Isaiah proclaimed the marks of the suffering servant in Isaiah 53, verse 5, when he said, He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the punishment that, was made, that made us whole, and by His bruises we were healed. This very poignant, very powerful text will end up pervading all of our reflections during this Lenten season. And for us on this Ash Wednesday, we claim these marks of the suffering servant as the marks that our Lord bore for us. So I want to start by asking you this question. What scars, what bruises, what wounds do we carry with us tonight? You know, if you look down at your body, you'll see the physical scar marks. And those scars all tell a, a story, don't they? And if you look at them, I want you to reflect on those, the most remarkable ones, and think about how you got that. How were you wounded? How did you end up getting that kind of scar? Now let me ask you this question. What is it that wounds and bruises our Lord? It is that which we have done in our sinfulness, our transgressions, our iniquities, our punishment, all that He bears and takes upon Himself, all those things that we've done. But what He gives to us instead is that which makes you and I whole. And by His taking these into Himself, then, we are healed. So today in the weeks that follow, we're going to reflect on the commandments in Lenten penance as a cue to our transgressions and honestly, our Lord's wounds on account of them. And while they expose the truth of our sinfulness, then we also come to embrace the promising presence of the Lord in our midst. So let's start with the first and second of these commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. What's the next one? You shall not take the name of the Lord God in vain. So whom or what do we name God? Luther, Luther, Martin Luther, wants to find it this way. A God is the term for that to which we are to look for all good and in which we are to find refuge in all need. You know, so much of our daily life is misshapen by this name, God. We'll call it with a lower G, right? And perhaps without even invoking its name. Think about the things that we, we deem to be gods in our lives. Money, possessions, honor, prestige, accomplishments, our wisdom and our knowledge sometimes. All of which we have had a stake in life and which has held its stake in our very lives, in us. Even those that you know held the rank of God in our lives and the lives of all humanity. Sometimes it's simply by association. Yet none of these can meet the task of giving us all the good and all the refuge that we need. Our hearts cling to false gods and the one true God, 
who surely holds us accountable, because how, how would he not? Only that God, our God, our Father, can see not only our folly, but more seriously, our transgressions. We're stripped of our divine pretensions. The second commandment further exposes the lie that we have claimed as God's own creatures. Claimed as God's dependence. We have shunned our dependency upon Him in many, many ways. We've turned away from God and broken our relationship with Him so that we have nothing but the vanity of our lost being. And this is where our transgressions lead us. But our Lord, our Lord takes these wounds that we impose upon Him of our very life into Himself by becoming one with you and I. His works of healing and life are the very presence of God Himself in this world. In this mission, Jesus claimed total unity with God at the center of life and purpose. In the verse right before our Gospel lesson this evening, Jesus says this, The Father and I are one. You know, to Jesus' critics, this was regarded as blasphemy. They saw Him only as a man, perhaps a teacher or a prophet at best. But they didn't behold Him as one equal to God. It was like they had the attitude of, how can He take this name for Himself? How can He call Himself the Son of God? Think about what Jesus' name means. What does it mean? It means Yahweh saves or God saves. Jesus in His life, His death, and His resurrection, bore that very name to the fullest of its meaning. C.S. Lewis once claimed about Jesus that Jesus was not a madman and living and dying as the very Messiah His name conveyed. On the contrary, this man having been killed was yet alive, and His death, in some manner incomprehensible to human thought, has affected a real change in our relations to the awful and righteous. And a change, more importantly, that's in our favor. And this is a claim that none of us can make, no matter how hard we try. But Jesus can, and more importantly, does for our sake. Think about names for a second. What does your name mean? You ever looked up your name? You ever found out the hidden meaning behind it? What do we get to be called as children of God? We're Christians. How often do we name drop? But we're in name only. You know what name dropping is, right? Somebody comes up to you and says, oh, I know so-and-so. Or I'm going to take you at face value based on the fact that you know and so-and-so. Right? How often do we do that in our lives? Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, that's great. Show me. But how often do our efforts fail to show the name that we carry? Far too often. But Jesus, Jesus embraces the wounds of criticism against him by claiming his identity in the name of God. He takes that name and that identity because his father has sent him for a loving purpose for you and I, for the sake of redeeming all of our names who are lost in our transgressions. He is the promising presence of God for every moment that we breathe. Through the work of Christ, His presence, then we are healed from our wayward lives, joined to God in body and spirit, and made one with God in all of our being. It's because Jesus put His name on the line for our sake 
that we have our names joined with Him and through Him. Joined as His children of God through baptism. It's because Jesus has put His name on the line in love for our sake that we get to be agents of this loving name for others. Because at the end of the day, to God, all names matter. So if you look at the roots of our names, you can bet that however glowing they may be to somebody else, they're really not that great at the end of the day. There's only one name at the end of the day that stands glowing, front and forth center. The name that you and I inherited in our baptisms. The name that we proclaim here in worship. The name that we sit with at the altar. Through Jesus, through His wounds for our sake, we get to bear His name in our very living, dying, and rising again. St. Patrick, I'm not talking about St. Patrick's Day coming up, but St. Patrick once said, I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity. Those opening words of St. Patrick's breastplate were trusted and sung by him and his fellow monks as they made their way through uh, treacherous lands. St. Patrick's mission of sharing the gospel with all of Ireland was opposed by the Irish king who threatened to have him killed. But they and their song passed through the lands and the gospel did indeed spread. So the song about the strong name of the Trinity is a song for all of us as we begin the journey of Lent on Ash Wednesday. It begins with ashes placed on our foreheads in the sign of the cross. And words are spoken to us, right? Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. They're not empty words. They're not just some rite that we do in church. We should reflect upon those words. Where we came and where we're going. More importantly, reflect on the cross and what that means for our names and what that means for our life. Yet the mark on our brows might also remind us of our baptism into the death and the resurrection of Christ. And this day, as we start the journey of 40 days, this day calls us to our redemption, to our rebirth, our renaming as those on a journey in the holy crossings of the gospel's promise. And as we journey these 40 days, we journey together as one in the body of Christ, with Christ as our head, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.